Section two, part two of a letter to Lord Unknown, of the works of the Right Honorable Edmund Burke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The works of the Right Honorable Edmund Burke, by Edmund Burke, part two of a letter to Lord Unknown. This natural, unpremeditated effect of policy on the unpossessed passions of mankind appears on other occasions the very name of a politician a statesman is sure to cause terror and hatred it is always connected with it the ideas of treachery cruelty fraud and tyranny and those writers who have faithfully unveiled the mysteries of state freemasonry have ever been held in general detestation for even knowing so perfectly a theory so detestable the case of mckeevil seems at first sight something hard in that respect he is obliged to bear the antiquities of those whose maxims and rules of government he published his speculation is more abhorred in than their practice but if there were no other arguments against artificial society than this i am going to mention methinks it ought to fall by this one only all writers on the science of policy are agreed and they agree with experience that all governments must frequently infringe the rules of justice to support themselves that truth must give way to dissimulation honesty to convenience and humanity itself to the reign interest the whole of this mystery of antiquity is called the reason of state it is reason which i own and cannot penetrate what sort of a protection is this of the general right that is maintained by infringing the rights of particulars what sort of justice is this which is enforced by the breaches of its own laws these paradoxes i leave to be solved by the able heads of legislators and politicians for my part i say what a plain man would say on such an occasion i can never behave that any institution agreeable to nature and proper for mankind can find it necessary or even expedient in any case whatsoever to do what the best and worthiest instincts of mankind warn us to avoid but no wonder that what is set up in opposition to the state of nature should preserve itself by trampling upon the law of nature to prove that these sorts of policies societies are a violation offered to nature and a constraint upon the human mind it needs only to look upon the sanguinary measures and instruments of violence which are everywhere used to support them let us take a review of the dungeons whips chains racks gibbets with which every society is abundantly sorted by which hundreds of victims are annually offered up to support a dozen or two in pride and madness and millions in an abject servitude and dependence there was a time when i looked with a reverential awe on these mysteries of policy but age experience and philosophy have rent the veil and i view this sanctum sanctorum at least without any enthusiastic admiration i acknowledge indeed the necessity of such a proceeding in such institutions but i must have a very mean opinion of institutions 
where such proceedings are necessary it is a misfortune that in no part of the globe natural liberty and natural religion are to be found pure and free from the mixture of political adulterations yet we have implanted to us by providence ideas axioms rules of what is pious just fair honest which no political craft nor learned sophistry can entirely expel from our breasts by these we judge and we cannot otherwise judge of the several artificial modes of religion and society and determine of them as they approach to or recede from the standard the simplest form of government is depotism where all the inferior orbs of power are moved merely by the will of the supreme and all that are subjected to them directed in the same manner merely by the occasional will of the magistrate this form as it is the most simple so it is infinitely the most general scarcely any part of the world is exempted from its power and in those few places where men enjoy what they call liberty it is continually in a tottering situation and makes greater and greater strides to that gulf of depotism which at last swallows up every species of government the manner of ruling being directed merely by the will of the weakest and generally the worst man in the society becomes the most foolish and capricious thing at the same time that it is the most terrible and destructive that well can be conceived in a despotism the principal person finds that let the want misery and indigence of his subjects be what they will he can yet possess abundantly of everything to gratify his most insatiable wishes he does more he finds that these gratifications increase in proportion to the wretchedness and slavery of his subjects thus encouraged both by passion and interest to trample on the public welfare and by his station placed above both shame and fear he proceeds to the most horrid and shocking outrages upon mankind their persons become victims of his suspicions the slightest displeasure is death and a disagreeable aspect is often as great a crime as high treason in the court of nero a person of learning of unquestioned merit and of unsuspected loyalty was put to death for no other reason than that he had a pedantic countenance which displeased the emperor this very monster of mankind appeared in the beginning of his reign to be a person of virtue many of the greatest tyrants on the records of history have begun their reigns in the fairest manner but the truth is this unnatural power corrupts both the heart and the understanding and to prevent the least hope of amendment the king is ever summoned by a crowd of infamous flatterers who find their account in keeping him from the least light of reason till all ideas of rectitude and justice are utterly erased from his mind when alexander had in his fury inhumanly butchered one of his best friends and bravest captains on the return of reason he began to conceive a 
horror suitable to the guilt of such a murder in this juncture his counsel came to his assistance but what did his counsel they found him out a philosopher who gave him comfort and in what manner did this philosopher comfort him for the loss of such a man and heal his conscience flagrant with the smart of such a crime you have the matter at length in plutarch he told him that let his sovereign do what he will all his actions are just and lawful because they are his the palaces of all princes abound with such courtly philosophers the consequence was such as might be expected he drew every day a monster more abandoned to unnatural lust to debauchery to drunkenness and to murder and yet this was originally a great man of uncommon capacity and a strong propensity to virtue but unbounded power proceeds step by step until it has eradicated every laudable principle it has been remarked that there is no prince so bad whose favourites and ministers are not worse there is hardly any prince without a favourite by whom he is governed in his arbitrary a manner as he governs the wretches he subjected to him here the tyranny is doubled there are two courts and two interests both very different from the interests of the people the favourite knows that the regard of a tyrant is as unconstant and capricious as that of a woman and concluding his time to be short he makes haste to fill up the measure of his antiquity and repine in luxury and in revenge every avenue to the throne is shut up he oppresses and ruins the people whilst he persuades the prince that those murmurs raised by his own oppression are the effects of dissatisfaction to the prince's government then is the natural violence of depotism inflamed and aggravated by hatred and revenge to deserve well of the state is a crime against the prince to be popular and to be a traitor are considered as synonymous terms even virtue is dangerous as an aspiring quality that claims an esteem by itself and independent of the countenance of the court what has been said of the chief is true of the inferior officers of the species of government each in his province exercising the same tyranny and grinding the people by an oppression the more severely felt as it is near them and exercised by base and subordinate persons for the gross of the people they are considered as a mere herd of cattle and really in a little time become no better all principle of honest pride all sense of the dignity of their nature is lost in their slavery the days says homer which makes a man a slave takes away half his worth and in fact he loses every impulse to action but that low and base one of fear in this kind of government human nature is not only abused and insulted but is actually degraded and sunk into a species of brutality the consideration of this made mr locke say with great justice that a government of this kind was worse than anarchy 
indeed it is so abhorred and detested by all who live under forms that have a milder appearance that there is scarcely a rational man in europe that would not prefer death to asiatic depotism here then we have the acknowledgment of a great philosopher that an irregular state of nature is preferable to such a government we have the consent of all sensible and generous men who carry it yet further and avow that death itself is preferable and yet the species of government so justly condemned and so generally detested is what infinitely the greater part of mankind groan under and have groaned under from the beginning so that by sure and uncontested principles the greatest part of the governments on earth must be concluded tyrannies impostures violations of natural rights of mankind and worse than the most disorderly anarchies how much other forms exceed this we shall consider immediately in all parts of the world mankind however debased retains still the sense of feeling the weight of tyranny at last becomes insupportable but the remedy is not so easy in general the only remedy by which they attempt to cure the tyranny is to change the tyrant this is and always was the case for the greater part in some countries however were found men of more penetration who discovered that to live by one man's will was the cause of all men's misery they therefore changed their former method and assembling the men in their several societies the most respectable for their understanding and fortunes they confided to them the charge of the public welfare this originally formed what is called an aristocracy they hoped it would be impossible that such a number could ever join in any design against the general good and they promised themselves a great deal of security and happiness from the united councils of so many able and experienced persons but it is now found by abundant experience that an aristocracy and a depotism differ but in name and that a people who are in a general excluded from any share of the legislative are to all intents and purposes as much slaves when twenty independent of them govern as but one domineers the tyranny is even more felt as every individual of the nobles has the haughtiness of a sultan the people are more miserable as they seem on the verge of liberty from which they are forever debarred this fallacious idea of liberty whilst it presents a vain shadow of happiness to the subject binds faster the chains of his subjection what is left undone by the natural avarice and pride of those who are raised above the others is completed by their suspicions and their dread of losing an authority which has no support in the common utility of the nation a genoese or a venetian republic is a concealed despotism where you find the same pride of the rulers the same base objection of the people the same bloody maxims of a suspicious policy 
in one respect the aristocracy is worse than the despotism a body politic whilst it retains its authority never changes its maxims a despotism which is this day horrible to a supreme degree by the caprice natural to the heat of man may by the same caprice otherwise exerted be as lovely the next in a succession it is possible to meet with some good princes if there have been tiberius caligulus neros there have been likewise the serener days of vespasians Titus's, Trajan's, and Antony's. But a body politic is not influenced by caprice or whim. It proceeds in a regular manner. Its succession is insensible, and every man, as he enters it, either has or soon attains the spirit of the whole body. Never was it known that an aristocracy, which was haughty and tyrannical in one century, became easy and mild in the next in effect the yoke of this species of government is so galling that whenever the people have got the least power they have shaken it off with the utmost indignation and established a popular form and when they have not had strength enough to support themselves they have thrown themselves into the arms of despotism as the more eligible of the two evils this latter was the case of denmark who sought a refuge from the oppression of its nobility in the stronghold of arbitrary power poland has at present the name of republic and it is one of the aristocratic form but it is well known that the little finger of this government is heavier than the loins of arbitrary power in most nations the people are not only politically but personally slaves and treated with the utmost indignity the republic of venus is somewhat more moderate yet even here so heavy is the aristocratic yoke that the nobles have been obliged to innovate the spirit of their subjects by every sort of debauchery they have denied them the liberty of reason and they have made them amends by what a base soul will think a more valuable liberty by not only allowing but encouraging them to corrupt themselves in the most scandalous manner they consider their subjects as the farmer does the hog he keeps to feast upon he holds him fast in his sty but allows him to wallow as much as he pleases in his beloved filth and gluttony so scandalously debauched a people as that of venus is to be met with nowhere else high low men women clergy and lately are all alike the ruling nobility are no less afraid of one another than they are of the people and for that reason politically enervate their own body by the same effeminate luxury by which they corrupt their subjects they are impoverished by every means which can be invented and they are kept in a perpetual terror by the horrors of the state inquisition here you see a people deprived of all rational freedom and tyrannized over by about two thousand men and yet this body of two thousand are so far from enjoying any liberty by the subjection of the rest that 
they are in an infinity severe state of slavery they make themselves the most degenerate and unhappy of mankind for no other purpose than that they may more effectually contribute to the misery of a whole nation in short the regular and methodical proceedings of an aristocracy are more intolerable than the very excesses of a despotism and in general much further from any remedy thus my lord we have pursued aristocracy through its whole progress we have seen the seeds the growth and the fruit it could boast none of the advantages of a despotism miserable of those advantages were and it was overloaded with an exuberance of mischiefs unknown even to despotism itself in effect it has no more than a disorderly tyranny this form therefore could be little approved even in speculation by those who were capable of thinking and could less be borne in practice by any who were capable of feeling however the fructile policy of man was not yet exhausted he had yet another farthing candle to supply the deficiencies of the sun this was the third form known by political writers under the name of democracy here the people transacted all public business or the greater part of it in their own persons their laws were made by themselves and upon any failure of duty their officers were accountable to themselves and to them only in appearance they had secured by this method the advantages of order and good government without paying their liberty for the purchase now my lord we are come to the masterpiece of grecian refinement and roman solidity a popular government the earliest and most celebrated republic of this model was that of athens it was constructed by no less an artist than the celebrated poet and philosopher solon but no sooner was this political vessel launched from the stocks than it overset even in the lifetime of the builder a tyranny immediately superverted not by a foreign conquest not by accident but by the very nature and constitution of a democracy an artful man became popular the people had power in their hands and they devolved a considerable share of their power upon their favourite and the only use he made of this power was to plunge those who gave it into slavery accident restored their liberty and the same good fortune produced men of uncommon abilities and uncommon virtues amongst them but these abilities were suffered to be of little service either to their possessors or to the state some of these men for whose sakes alone we read their history they banished others they imprisoned and all they treated with various circumstances of the most shameful ingratitude republics have many things in the spirit of absolute monarchy but none more than this a shining merit is ever hated or suspected in a popular assembly as well as in a court and all services done the state are looked upon as dangerous to the rulers whether sultans or senators the ostracism at athens was built upon this principle the giddy people whom we have now under consideration 
being elated with some flashes of successes which they owed to nothing less than any merit of their own begin to tyrannize over their equals who had associated with them for their common defence with their prudence they renounced all appearances of justice they entered into wars rashly and wantonly if they were unsuccessful instead of growing wiser by their misfortune they threw the whole blame of their own misconduct on the ministers who had advised and the generals who had conducted those wars until by degree they had cut off all who could serve them in their councils or their battles if at any time these wars had a happier issue it was no less difficult to deal with them on account of their pride and insolence furious in their adversity tyrannical in their successes a commander had more trouble to concert his defence before the people than to plan the operations of the campaign it was not uncommon for a general under the horrid despotism of the roman emperors to be ill-received in proportion to the greatness of his services agricola is the strong instance of this no man had done any greater things nor with more honest ambition yet on his return to court he was obliged to enter rome with all the secrecy of a criminal he went to the palace not like a victorious commander who had merited and might demand the greatest rewards but like an offender who had come to supplicate a pardon for his crimes his reception was answerable exceptusque brevi osculo et nullo sermon turbe servintium immixtus est yet in that worst season of the worst monocorial tyrannies modesty discretion and a coolness of temper formed some kind of security even for the highest merit but at athens the nicest and best studied behaviour was not sufficient guard for a man of great capacity some of their bravest commanders were obliged to fly their country some to enter into the service of its enemies rather than abide a popular determination on their conduct lest if one of them said their giddiness might make the people condemn where they meant to acquit to throw in a black bean even when they intended a white one the athenians made a very rapid progress to the most enormous successes the people under no restraint soon grew dissolute luxurious and idle they renounced all labor and began to subsist themselves from the public revenues they lost all concern for their common honor or safety and could bear no advice that tended to reform them all this time truth became offensive to these lords the people and most highly dangerous to the speaker the orators no longer ascended the rostrum but to corrupt them further with their most fulsome adulation these orators were all bribed by foreign princes on the one side or the other and besides its own parties in the city there were parties and avowed ones too for the persians spartans 
and Macedonians, supported each of them by one or more the Magos pensioned and bribed to this inquisitious service. The people, forgetful of all virtue and public spirit, and intoxicated with the flatteries of their orators, these courtiers of republics, and endowed with the distinguishing characteristics of all other courtiers, this people, I say, at last arrived at that pitch of madness that they coolly and deliberately, by an express law, made it capital for any man to propose an application of the immense sums squandered in public shows, even to the most necessary purposes of the state. When you see the people of this republic banishing and murdering their best and ablest citizens, dissipating the republic treasure with the most senseless extravagance and spending their whole time as spectators of actors and playing fiddling dancing and singing does it not my lord strike your imagination with the image of a sort of complex nero and does it not strike you with the greater horror when you observe not one man only but a whole city grown drunk with pride and power, running with the rage of folly into the same mean and senseless debauchery and extravagance. But if this people resembled Nero in their extravagance, much more did they resemble and even exceed him in cruelty and injustice. In the time of Pericles, one of the most celebrated times in the history of that commonwealth, a king of Egypt sent them a donation of corn. This they were mean enough to accept, and had the Egyptian prince intended the ruin of the city of wicked Bedlamites, he could not have taken a more effectual method to do it than by such an ensnaring largess. The distribution of this bounty caused a quarrel. The majority set on foot an inquiry into the title of the citizens, and upon a vain pretense of illegitimacy, newly and occasionally set up, they deprived of their share of the royal donation no less than five thousand of their own body. They went further, they disfranchised them, and, having once begun with an act of injustice, they could not set bounds to it. Not content with cutting them off, from the rights of citizens, they plundered these unfortunate wretches of their substance, and to crown this masterpiece of violence and tyranny, they actually sold every man of the five thousand as slaves in the public market. Observe, my lord, that the five thousand we here speak of were cut off from a body of no more than nineteen thousand, for the entire number of citizens was no greater at that time. Could the tyrant who wished the Roman people but one neck? Could the tyrant Caligula himself have done? Nay, he could scarcely wish for a greater mischief than to have cut off at one stroke a fourth of his people. Or has the cruelty of that series of sanguine tyrants, the Caesars, ever presented such a piece of flagrant and extensive wickedness? The whole history of the celebrated republic is but one tissue of rashness, folly, ingratitude, injustice, tumult, violence, and tyranny, and, indeed, 
of every species of wickedness that can be well imagined this was a city of wise men in which a minister could not exercise his functions a warlike people amongst whom a general did not dare either to gain or lose a battle a learned nation in which a philosopher could not venture on a free inquiry this was the city which banished themistocles starved Artaitis, forced into exile Militades, drove out anaxagoras and poisoned socrates this was a city which changed the form of its government with the moon eternal conspiracies revolutions daily nothing fixed and established a republic as an ancient philosopher has observed in no one species of government but a magazine of every species here you find every sort of it and that in the worst form as there is a perpetual change one rising and the other falling you have all the violence and wicked policy by which a beginning power must always acquire its strength and all the weakness by which falling states are brought to complete destruction rome has a more venerable aspect than athens and she conducted her affairs so far as related to the ruin and oppression of the greatest part of the world with greater wisdom and more uniformity but the domestic economy of these two states was nearly or altogether the same and internal dissension constantly tore to pieces the bowels of the roman commonwealth you find the same confusion the same factions which subsided at athens the same tumults the same revolutions and in fine the same slavery it perhaps their former condition did not deserve that name altogether as well all other republics were of the same character florence was a transcript of athens and the modern republics as they approach more or less to the democratic form partake more or less of the nature of those which i have described we are now at the close of our review of the three simple forms of artificial society and we have shown them however they may differ in name or in some slight circumstances to be all alike in effect in effect to be all tyrannies but suppose we are inclined to make the most ample concessions let us concede athens rome carthage and two or three more of the ancient and as many of the modern commonwealths to have been or to be free and happy and to owe their freedom and happiness to their political constitution yet allowing all this what defence does this make for artificial society in general that these inconsiderable spots of the globe have for some short space of time stood as exceptions to be a charge so general but when we call these governments free or concede that their citizens were happier than those which lived under different forms it is merely ex abundanti for we should be greatly mistaken if we really thought that the majority of the people which filled these cities enjoyed even that nominal political freedom of which i have spoken so much already in reality they had no part of it in athens there were usually from ten to thirty thousand freemen this was the utmost but the slaves usually amounted to four hundred thousand and sometimes to a great many more the freemen of sparta and rome 
were not more numerous in proportion to those whom they held in slavery even more terrible than the athenian therefore state of the matter fairly the free states never formed though they were taken altogether the thousandth part of the habitable globe the freemen in these states were never the twentieth part of the people and the time they subsided is scarce anything in that immense ocean of duration in which time and slavery are so nearly commensurate therefore call these free states or popular governments or what you please when we consider the majority of their inhabitants and regard the natural rights of mankind they must appear in reality and truth no better than pitiful and oppressive oligarchies after so fair an examine wherein nothing has been exaggerated no fact produced which cannot be proved and none which has been produced in any wise forced or strained while thousands have for brevity been omitted after so candid a discussion in all respects what slave so passive what bigot so blind what enthusiast so headlong what politician so hardened as to stand up in defence of a system calculated for a curse to mankind a curse under which they smart and groan to this hour without thoroughly knowing the nature of this disease and wanting understanding to of courage to supply the remedy i need not excuse myself to your lordship nor i think to any honest man for the zeal i have shown in this cause for it is an honest zeal and in a good cause i have defended natural religion against a confederacy of atheists and divines i now plead for natural society against politicians and for natural reason against all three when the world is in a fitter temper than it is at present to hear truth or when i shall be more indifferent about its temper my thoughts may become more public in the meantime let them repose in my own bosom and in the bosoms of any such men as are fit to be initiated in the sober mysteries of truth and reason my antagonists have already done as much as i could desire parties in religion and politics make sufficient discoveries concerning each other to give a sober man a proper caution against them all the monarchic and aristocratical and popular partisans have been jointly laying their axes to the root of all government and have in their turns proved each other absurd and inconvenient in vain you tell me that artificial government is good but that i fall out only with the abuse the thing the thing itself is the abuse observe my lord i pray you that grand error upon which all artificial legislative power is found it was observed that men had ungovernable passions which made it necessary to guard against the violence they might offer to each other they appointed governors over them for this reason but a worse and more perplexing difficulty arises how to be defended against the governors custodis. in vain they change from a single person to a few these have the passions of the one and they unite to strengthen themselves and to secure the gratification of their lawless passions at the expense of the general good 
in vain do we fly to the many the case is worse their passions are less under the government of reason they are argumented by the contagion and defended against all attackers by their multitude i have purposely avoided the mention of the mixed form of government for reasons that will be very obvious to your lordship but my caution can avail me but little you will not fail to urge it against me in favour of political society you will not fail to show how the errors of the several simple modes are corrected by a mixture of all of them and a proper balance of the several powers in such a state i confess my lord that this has been long a darling mistake of my own and that of all the sacrifices i have made to truth this has been by far the greatest when i confess that i think this notion a mistake i know to whom i am speaking for i am satisfied that reasons are like liquors and there are some of such a nature as none but strong heads can bear there are few with whom i can communicate so freely as with pope but pope cannot bear every truth he has a timidity which hinders the full exertion of his faculties almost as effectually as bigotry cramps those of the general herd of mankind but whoever is a genuine follower of truth keeps his eye steady upon his guide indifferent whether he is led provided that she is the leader and my lord if it be properly considered it were infinitely better to remain possessed by the whole legion of vulgar mistakes than to reject some and at the same time to retain a fondness for others altogether as absurd and irrational the first has at least a consistency that makes a man however erroneously uniform at least but the latter way of proceeding is such an inconsistent chimera and jumble of philosophy and vulgar prejudice that hardly anything more ridiculous can be conceived let us therefore freely and without fear or prejudice examine this last contrivance of policy and without considering how near the quick our instruments may come let us search it to the bottom first then all men are agreed that this junction of regal aristocratic and popular power must form a very complex nice and intricate machine which being composed of such a variety of parts with such opposite tendencies of movements it must be liable on every accident to be disordered to speak without metaphor such a government must be liable to frequent cabals tumults and revolutions from its very constitution these are undoubtedly as ill effects as can happen in a society for in such a case the closeness acquired by community instead of serving for mutual defence serves only to increase the danger such a system is like a city where trades that require constant fires are much exercised where the houses are built of combustible materials and where they stand extremely close in the second place the several constitute parts having their distinct rights and these many of them so necessary to be determined with exactness are yet so intermittent in their nature that it becomes a new and constant source of debate and confusion 
hence it is that whilst the business of government should be carrying on the question is who has a right to exercise this or that function of it nor what men have power to keep their offices in any function whilst this contest continues and whilst the balance in any sort continues it is never any remission all manner of abuses and villainies and officers remain unpunished the greatest frauds and robberies in public revenues are committed in defiance of justice and abuses grow by time and impunity into customs until they prescribe against the laws and grow to interverate often to admit a cure unless such as may be as bad as the disease thirdly the several parts of the species of government though united preserve the spirit with each form as separately kings are ambitious the nobility haughty and the populace tumultuous and ungovernable each party however in appearance peaceable carries on a design upon the others and it is owing to this that in all questions whether concerning foreign or domestic affairs the whole generally turns more upon some party matter than upon the nature of the thing itself whether such a step will diminish or augment the power of the crown or how far the privileges of the subject are likely to be extended or restricted by it all these questions are constantly resolved without any consideration of the merits of the cause merely as the parties who uphold these jarring interests may chance to prevail and as they prevail the balance is overset now upon one side now upon the other the government is one day arbitrary power in a single person another a juggling confederacy of a few to cheat the prince and enslave the people in the third a frantic and unmanageable democracy the great instrument of all these changes and what infuses a peculiar venom into all of them is partly it is of no consequence what the principles of any party or what their pretensions are the spirit which actuates all parties is the same the spirit of ambition of self-interest of oppression and treachery the spirit entirely reserves all the principles which a benevolent nature has erected within us all honesty all equal justice and even the ties of natural society the natural affections in a word my lord we have all seen and if any outward considerations were worthy to lasting concern of a wise man we have felt some of us felt such oppression from party government as no other tyranny can parallel we behold the daily the most important rights rights upon which all others depend we behold these rights determined in the last resort without the least attention even to the appearance or color of justice we behold this without emotion because we have grown up in the constant view of such practices and we are not surprised to hear a man requested to be a knave and a traitor with as much indifference as the most ordinary favor were asked and we hear this request refused not because it is a most unjust and unreasonable desire but because this worthy has already engaged his injustice to another these are many more points i am for from spreading to their full extent you are sensible that i do not put forth half my strength and you cannot be at a loss for the reason a man is allowed sufficient freedom of thought 
provided the nose how to choose his subject properly you may criticise freely upon the chinese constitution observe with as much severity as you please upon the absurd tics or destructive bigotry of the bonzes but the scene is changed as you come homeward and atheism or treason may be the names given in britain to what would be reason and truth if asserted of china i submit to the condition and though i have a notorious vantage before me i waive the pursuit for else my lord it is very obvious what a picture might be drawn of the excesses of partly even in our own nation i could show that the same faction has in one reign promoted popular seditions and in the next been a patron of tyranny i could show that they have all of them betrayed the public safety at all times and have very frequently with equal perfidy made a market of their own cause and their own associates i could show how vehemently they have contended for names and how silently they have passed over things of the last importance and i could demonstrate that they have had the opportunity of doing all this mischief nay that they themselves had their origin and growth from that complex form of government which we are wisely taught to look upon as so great a blessing resolve my lord our history from the conquest we scarcely ever had a prince who by fraud or violence had not made some infringement on the constitution we scarcely ever had a parliament which knew when it attempted to set limits for the royal authority how to set limits to its own evils we have had continually calling for reformation and reformations more grievous than any evils our boasted liberties sometimes trodden down sometimes giddily set up and ever precariously fluctuating and unsettled it has only been kept alive by the blasts of continual feuds wars and conspiracies in no country in europe has the scaffold so often blushed with the blood of its nobility confiscations banishments attainders executions make a large part of the history of such of our families as are not utterly extinguished by them formerly indeed things had a more ferocious appearance than they have had at this day in these early and unrefined ages the jarring part of the certain chaotic constitution supported their several pretensions by the sword experience and policy have since taught other methods end of part two of a letter to lord unknown end of section two read by elijah fisher